Bubblelam. Ah, that fourth wise man. So the story I shared with the children was from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the story of the wise men, otherwise called magi. Matthew loved the magi. He gave their story more square inches of text than he gave the narrative of the birth of Jesus. He never mentions the shepherds or the manger, but he didn't want us to miss the star and the seekers, and it's easy to see why. Their story is our story. We are all travelers. We're each looking for a sign to give us direction in life. Maybe it's to lead us closer to God or a sign of what we should do when faced with a difficult decision in our life. In order to find Jesus, every one of us needs direction, and God gives it. God is there for us when the journey of life gets tough and presents barriers to living a Christ-like existence. But God is always there, and in return, we should worship him not just to show him honor and love, deserving a father, but for our own spiritual growth. The story of the wise men shows us how to follow signs, overcome barriers to our faith, and how to worship Christ. Now, when I mention that we're all travelers, I probably should skip that joke about if the wise men were wise women, we would have got there faster, we would ask for directions faster. Um, no, 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 let me give the guys more credit than that. Maybe. Uh, Maybe while they were traveling, they had to stop several times to intervene with sibling bickering. Or maybe the kids had a case of GBA, juvenile bladder activity, also causing several extra stops to be made on the way to Jerusalem. So who exactly were those magi? Magi were professors and philosophers of their day. They were brilliant scholars of medicine, history, religion, prophecy, and astronomy. They were also trained in what we call astrology. In their day, astrology was connected with man's search for God. The ancients studied the skies in order to find answers to the great questions of life, such as, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? There's a difference between astronomy and astrology. Astronomy is the science of the study of stars, and astrology is the belief that there is a connection between the position of the stars and human destiny. The Magi were experts in both astronomy and astrology and claimed to be able to divine the future. The important fact to remember is they were very, very highly influential in Persia. Persia is now modern day Iran. They were in fact advisors to the king and while they were not kings, it would not be wrong to call them king makers because they functioned as political advisors to the Persian rulers. Finally, they were highly educated men who thought deeply about life and consequently, it's perfectly legitimate to call them wise men. And what was this star in the east that they saw and how did they know it was his star? Remember, the wise men are students from the sky and that means they wouldn't have been frightened by any unusual or anything weird appearing in the sky. And it helps to know that in those days, it was not uncommon to associate the birth of a ruler with unusual heavenly phenomena. The star, or whatever it was, would have made perfect sense to them and would have fit perfectly with what they already believed. You might say that if God wanted to get a message to those pagan priests, he picked the perfect way. But still, what was this star? We don't know. The Greek word aster is a general one. It refers to any bright object in the sky. Aster could refer to a star, a planet, a meteor, or even a comet. Or was it a supernatural light? 
This suggests the star was not a natural phenomena, phenomena at all, but rather a light placed by God, especially for the Magi to see. In other points in history, God's also revealed himself as a bright light in order to guide his people. People see signs of God every day and everywhere. Where do you see signs of God? In the sunsets that steal your breath away? When you're holding a newborn baby in your arms? Was it when you looked around at your fam family gathered for the holidays? But did you see these things as a sign to draw nearer to God? Those wise men understood the purpose of the sign. And if God can use a star to reach these pagan astrologers, he can use anything to reach anybody. Are you here this morning because of a sign? Did someone invite you to church? Did you hear a song on Joy FM that spoke to you? Is it because the holiday season is ending and there's an empty place in your heart? The ultimate aim of all of God's messages is to shed the light of heaven on Jesus. So why have the Magi traveled so far from home? It was a journey of hundreds of miles from Persia to Israel. And why have they made such a treacherous journey? The answer, they've come to see the baby born King of Jews. This is fascinating. They knew a baby had been born, but not where. They knew he was a king, but they didn't know his name. What faith. In your own life, you may be facing many barriers, many obstacles, but like the Magi, God will be there giving you direction. So there's no way under heaven these Magi traveled hundreds of miles across the desert by themselves like, like that clip showed. In those days, the only way you could travel across the desert was with a large caravan. It makes sense that at a minimum, they would have brought with them a full military escort and all their servants. The total caravan would have had to have been at least 300 men. So having spent nearly two years preparing for their trip, having spent a huge amount of money for supplies and transportation, they, have, they would have swept into Jerusalem with much pomp and circumstance. So needless to say, the Magi had no trouble gaining an audience with Herod to ask him for a direction. Herod had been called the king of the Jews by the Senate in Rome for almost 40 years, but no one called him the Messiah. Messiah means the long-awaited God anointed ruler. The Messiah would overcome all other rule and bring an end of history and establish the kingdom of God forever. Herod was called Herod the Great because he kept peace and stability in his region. He was a brilliant architect, stopped taxes to help his people, and when the people were starving, he even melted his own gold. But he had a deep flaw in his character. He was a very suspicious man. He could not tolerate rival power or people plotting against him. He had members of his own family killed to protect his throne. So when three visitors from the east arrive looking for the king of the Jews, we can just imagine his reaction. In Herod's anger, he does something really awful. But this is a family service, so you'll have to read about that in Matthew 2. As the wise men set out to Bethlehem, they had already overcome so many barriers to get to Jesus. There was a cultural barrier, a distance barrier, a language barrier, and a racial one, not to mention their recent encounter with a hostile king. It wasn't easy for them to find Jesus, but they did. And if the wise men can find Jesus, so can you. What barriers have you faced in your life? Is the pace of life just too much at times? Do you have a painful past 
that has been difficult to overcome? Did you have a bad experience at a previous church? Just by being here today, I can see God working in your life, helping you to overcome barriers. And Troy UMC is here to meet you on that journey. So with six miles left to reach Bethlehem, the star they saw in the east suddenly reappears. The scripture is very specific. It says, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. The star led them to the right house. That does not sound like any natural star, but a miraculous star created by God to lead the Magi. No wonder they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. The end of their long, hard journey was at hand. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Behold, the first Christian worshipers, the simple dwelling became a cathedral. Seekers of Christ found him and they knelt in his presence. There beside his mother revealed nothing but a normal baby, gurgling and cooing, moving its hands side to side, reaching eagerly for his mother's breast. He was not born into a wealthy family. He wasn't born in a temple. He wasn't wrapped in kingly garments and he wasn't surrounded by dignitaries. Somehow the Magi saw beyond the present and into the future and in deep faith, they worshiped him. They saw that this child who would one day rule the world, a child worthy of adoration and praise, and they were not ashamed to fall on their faces before him. There are four pieces of worship grounded in this passage. First, the Magi ascribe authority to Christ by calling him King of the Jews. And verse two, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And second, the Magi ascribe dignity by falling down before him. Again, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Bowing down is what you do to say to someone else, you are high and I am low. And in verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They rejoiced because they were on their way to the Messiah. They were worshiping and doing it joyfully. Something about Christ is so desirable. And finally, they and we worship by giving sacrificial gifts. The Magi brought three gifts that they gave to Jesus. They were especially appropriate because of their symbolism. One was the gift of gold, fit for a king. Gold, pure, valuable, nearly indestructible. And it is indeed a royal medal. And back in those days, it was even rarer than it is today. Frankincense was a gift for a priest, since it is mixed with oil and used to anoint priests. In Jesus' day, frankincense was used as an offering of thanksgiving and praise to God in temple worship. The final gift was myrrh. It was used to prepare dead bodies for burial. The corpse was wrapped in layers of cloth and spices were placed between the layers to cover the smell of decay. The final gift foreshadows the suffering Jesus was to endure on the cross in fulfillment of his role as our savior. So what else is significant about these gifts? Their practicality. The gifts were all portable. They could be carried and easily sold on the long, unexpected journey to Egypt. These gifts enabled Jesus's poor parents to get him to safety. If the wise men offered Jesus gifts fit for a king, then so should we. It is good to remember that the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time 
It did not start with Santa Claus. It started with the wise men. So often we get caught up in giving and receiving, and we forget where it all began. We've just celebrated again the birth of Jesus Christ. We've been reminded of God's eternal presence with us through Emmanuel. We have sung songs, baked goodies, opened gifts, all in honor of our Savior's birth. Perhaps through the season, we've even felt our own wonderful warmth and assurance of Christ being born in our own hearts and lives, either for the first time or for the 50th. How will we worship the King? It is good to give gifts to each other. It is even better to give gifts to Jesus. It is good to show our love to those we love. It is even better to show love to the one who loved us when we were unlovable. Did you remember Jesus on your gift list this Christmas? Did you set aside a gift worthy of a king? We worship one another in our stuff instead of worshiping God. And when we do that, our lives are broken by debt, jealousy, and broken dreams. Jesus came to give us life. And the way we experience that life is by giving to God in the same way that God has given to us. We should give God the best that he has implanted in our minds and in our hearts. Our precious spiritual graces and gifts should all be offered in the service of Christ. The sight of Christ not only leads hearts to worship, but willing hands to give. I've been on staff at Troy UMC for six months now, and all around me I see great things happening all year round. This past summer, now in the winter, there's always a mission to give to. There's always somewhere you can serve with your gifts. As you reflect on the start of a new year, consider committing your gifts to one of our many ministries. I know in my own and children's ministry that I always need teachers and greeters, um, and the kids make it all worthwhile, don't you? It is mutually rewarding. So what are your gifts? Where can you be a gift to our church? Where can you be a gift to Christ? True worship simply does not exist apart from sacrifice. Those who worship give. Jesus taught us to think of our neighbor, neighbors, those poorer than ourselves. We can make someone happy by loving them. And by showing love to those we love, we show love to the one who loved us. When you give gifts to Christ like this, it's a way of saying, I have not come to you for things, but for yourself. I have a hope of enjoying more of you, not things. By giving up what we do not need, you're saying, God, you are my treasure not these things. So what happened to those wise men after they worshiped Jesus and gave him their gifts? The scripture tells us they departed to their own country by another way. After they worshiped Jesus, their lives were never the same. They followed a star and they did so because they felt this child would change their lives. This king would make their lives better. We all have one of those stories, a story about Jesus and how he changed our lives. But there are other people out there who need someone like you and like me to sense that need, to pray or go to pray with them, to show them the power of a risen Christ that cares for their hurts and for their pains. We have the most important thing in the world at our fingertips, and nothing should stop us from sharing Jesus' love with others. No barriers, not distance, not language, not color of skin, nor any other barrier can keep us from sharing God with others. And so finally, the Magi make their way home, back to their everyday lives. But they did not leave Jesus behind. They took the experience of their encounter with them. 
and that's true for all of us, that once we meet Jesus, we do take another road. Life is never the same again. And so may God take the story of the wise men and waken in us a desire for Christ himself. Would you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the Messiah, the king of all nations that comes and bows down before you. God breaks through our world to see that you are worshiped. He will not leave us in the dark. He is the pursuer, the teacher. Therefore, whatever opposition I may find, I joyfully ascribe authority and dignity to you and bring my gifts to say that you alone can satisfy my heart, not these. When God sends us signs, may we be faithful. Let them lead us to scripture. Let scripture lead us to worship and let worship lead us home. Thank you, God, for the countless ways you have blessed our lives. Amen. At this time, we're going to collect offering. I would like to lift up all of my kids again if you want to stand up. Our children in the months of November and December raised $750 to buy a barn full of animals for kids in needy countries. Boys and girls, we didn't just get a chicken, not a goat, not a cow, not a pig, one of everything in a full barn for a needy family. And they're hearing about this for the first time. Good job, kids. As we sing one more song.
anticipation of the new year and our upcoming, our upcoming uh, sermon series, on your way out today, please see our ushers for a 40-day prayer guide booklet, please. If you will please pray with me. A new year coming and God is with us in loving and caring and hoping and expecting. God is with us and never lets us go. God keeps us faithful through the days that lie ahead. God, keep us caring as we see the pain that fills your world. God, keep us serving as we seek to do your will. God, keep us loving towards neighbors near and far. God, keep us trusting through the uncertainties of life. God, keep us sharing from your generous abundance. God, live in us. God, live with us. God, live through us. Amen.